G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. How would you like to ramp up your club's game day atmosphere? Big Screen Video is giving 10 lucky sports clubs the chance to win a $10,000 grant towards their own digital scoreboard. Register now at iCanWin.com.au slash BSV. Off the back fence with Tony Kemp. I love that too, Louie. What an intro. And uh, the first one I'm going to talk about this, I think it's when we need to get serious, is he, about bringing an NRL second franchise down here to New Zealand. I spoke about it a couple of weeks ago, and I said that the Crusaders should put their hands up and take the punt and take a second NRL franchise license down to Christchurch. I think it's where it should fit, but what I'm going to do now is I'm going to give you some reasons why that should actually happen, and we should get serious about it. First and foremost, we need to find the money, all right? So hopefully we've got Owen Glenn or someone like that listening here, because give me a call and I'll put it all together for you. But here's the reasons why. They should be down on the Crusaders. The first thing is they have the DNA. They have it already in there on how to win competitions in a trans-Tasman competition. They have the backroom support. They have the structures. They have the systems. And also they play their football on the renowned Canterbury Rugby League Park already. So they have a home. But here's where I'm going to take a little bit of a different tact. I think what they should do is include a second partner in the deal and go to a franchise um, previous owner in the competition in Sydney and bring them on board. And that is the North Sydney Bears. Not only are they the same colour the red and black of the red and black bears, but they are also have all of the infrastructure in place. They have the junior infrastructures, Jersey Flair, under 16s, Harold Matthews, under 18s, reserve grade. They have the depth. They have the finance. They have all the club um, and all the money that's in there that, that gives them the financial support. But more importantly, they have the DNA that they should bring them together both in, in Sydney and New Zealand. So let's do it. Let's go, and, let's go and knock on North Sydney Bears' door up on the central coast. Let's ask them to come down and set up in the new stadium is he that they're building down in your hometown? And guess what we're going to call him? Bang. The Southern Bears. Ah, let's go to Aroha with the news for Kubota. Together we're shaping and building New Zealand. S-E-N-Z. The Bears, there's a real long text here from Joe Kempe. Um, Do you want to get to that one? Yeah, sure. Um, this is from Joe's just coming. He goes, hi, hi, guys. Love the idea of a second team in New Zealand in the NRL, but cannot see... The Bears with a history of 114 years giving um, up their brand to a New Zealand team. The Bears have turned down two options to take their brand out of Sydney already. A huge issue with the Warriors is that they cannot attract top talent without having to pay huge um, overs um, and affecting their salary cap. Any talent, and especially any local talent, has been scouted by overseas clubs. We all know that on a daily basis. And these issues will have a huge effect of setting up a new franchise and if you look hard at Bennett and the Dolphins is having his, with what he's signing, um, I, I sort of get a little bit of that joke. Love the idea, Kimby, but Canterbury Rugby League would not have depth to compete in the NRL. Uh, I thought I'd try to answer that question. Now, it's, it was really about a partnership. It's not about Canterbury having the depth and New Zealand having the depth. It's about using the North Sydney Bears, and I'll answer, and I'll, and I'll 
and I'll qualify this, and I'll um, is using the structures that they already have. They have the structures in Sydney already. They got a Jersey Flag, a Harold Matthews, and a reserve grade side that play in the New South Wales competition. That's uh, that is what the Warriors don't have, and why they can't recruit. So you've you've ticked that box. The other thing is, is that the Perth bid, um, and North Sydney have agreed to this, is that have have thrown their hat in the ring with the North Sydney Bears. Is that right? What I'm saying is that so North Sydney Bears have actually they actually realise that they're not going to get a franchise, and but what they've what they've agreed to this week, and is why I've said go to the North Sydney Bears, is that um, they will go with another bid um, and be that feeder club for that franchise. I think the Canterbury franchise fits with the North Sydney Bears. I think you go, you know, straight. I think what the Crusaders should do, or a consortium should do, is go directly to the North Sydney Bears on the back of this um, this bid from Perth and say, "Well, guess what? Here's another option. We want you to come to New Zealand." And everybody knows that Abdo wants the franchise in New Zealand because it works. You know that the uh, the other thing I didn't talk about on, just, just quickly before we go to Izzy, is that the Sky deal kicks in uh, at the end of next year. It's up 70%. So it works financially as well. So, you know, if we're serious, that's what I'm saying, get serious about a New Zealand franchise. Those things that, that Joe mentioned there, I've just answered all those questions. It will work. Izzy? No, I love it. I love what you're talking about, Kempi, and, and your insights, mate. You've obviously got the the you know inside scoop on the North Sydney Bears situation. Uh, look, I I just want to ask you a quick question quickly. The Canterbury rugby system, obviously, they got depth in the rugby realms. If they're going to go forward in the, with this offer, can how hard is it to convert the rugby players? Because we're looking at depth here. There's obviously a lot of depth down here with rugby, but how, how hard would it be to, to change them from the game of rugby back to league? Could you see that happening, and how long would that process take? Oh, look, I, yeah. About it, it wouldn't, no, it wouldn't take long at all because you'd set up those junior structures so that they're going through the, through the 16s and the 18s grade. That's what happens. That's where they're going through now. So the Connie Harrells, the Namami Lalpies, you know, those type of those, mm. um, those type of players that have come out of the, the top eight structure here in the rugby union schools go directly into those competitions through into into reserve grade, into first grade. So there's no doubt that we can develop the players in that in that structure. It's about having the structure to put them in. Kempi, bang on. Uh, Peter Volandis is back to the bold WA Bears merger. Obviously, he hasn't heard us yet because it's too early in uh, Sydney time for... Well, he'll be up, but he probably hasn't tuned in. 5.30 over there. I wonder if Peter Volandis would go for a Christchurch North Sydney Bears merger. You've laid it out beautifully, mate. 0800-150-811. South Island Rugby League fans and supporters, if this happened, hypothetically... Would you stop supporting your NRL team that you currently support? I'm thinking about it. I would. And one other thing, you're talking about support, and I'm just touching on that. You have the two biggest other cities in New Zealand, in Dunedin and Wellington, on your back doorstep. So you're drawing support from the lower bottom of the South Island right through the South Island. Hear you loud and clear, Kempe. If you're in those regions and you're listening to us right now on 1260 down there, give us a call, 0800 150 811. We've got some texts on Razor Robertson as well. PGA Championship is taking place at the Southern Hills Championship Golf Club. It's a major week team, so lock in. The PGA Championship is hours away now, and there are plenty of chances up and down the field. 
The lead-up hasn't been without its drama, though. Phil Mixon, the defending championship champion, withdrawing, uh, did not go unnoticed. Amid the LIV golf distraction, but Ryan Ballinger is owner of Golf News Net, and he is a very sharp golfing mind. He's on the line now. Morning, Ryan. Good morning. Thanks for having me on. No, thank you so much for joining us, mate. We really appreciate it. Look, let's, let's talk about the distraction that is. Phil, has it been a bit of a different week building into the PGA Championship, knowing that the defending champion is not there? And, and what's, the, what's the feel? Or has everyone moved past it and now we're only hours away? It, it seems like the field is kind of done with it. They've, they're tired of being asked mm. about it. All of the top players who are most likely to win this week have kind of come through the media center at this point and to a person have mm. pretty much been asked, what they think about Phil not being there. And to a person, they have all said it's a shame, plus some other stuff, depending on where they kind of come down on it all. <laughs> but uh, at this point, you know, it is what it is. He's not here. They're not going to, they're going to play the championship without him. And we're going to mm. crown a new PGA champion. And I think everyone else is really uh, pretty excited about the venue, Southern Hills. They're pretty excited about the opportunity and they're ready to move on to being having to deal with questions about somebody else for a few days. Uh, yeah, I've been listening to Rory McIlroy's comments about Southern Hills. He's he's wowed by it. It's obviously a spectacular golf course. It's got the wow factor. Can you just tell us about the course and, and how it's going to play and how it's looking uh, leading into the PGA? Yeah, Southern Hills has hosted the PGA Championship. This will be his fifth turn hosting the PGA more than any other host venue in the history mm. of the PGA Championship. So that's what, 106 years at this point of PGA championships, which is pretty incredible. And it, it's a, it's just a phenomenal golf course. Perry Maxwell, who had a really significant hand in kind of the next level, the next generation of changes to Augusta National after it opened with Alistair McKenzie and Bobby Jones. It, it, this is his probably gem. This is his best work. Um, and he was mm. kind of really known for crazy greens, really just great land movement, very good vision of, crystal clear targets that are kind of hard to hit these putting surfaces are fairly small compared to the pga tour average there are a lot of false fronts there's a lot of space that looks like it's a putting surface but effectively isn't so the targets are very small and gil hans came in a few years ago and worked on a restoration slash renovation of this club to modernize it but also kind of take it back to its roots in many ways so it's going to look and feel a lot like it did 100 years ago except it's at modern length at 7,500 plus yards. And uh, these guys are going to try and tackle a golf course that is going to be pretty difficult for them with a lot of runoffs and a lot of spaces where they're going to have to be creative and also take on some risks to be able to be successful. Hey, Ryan, so given all that and, and the way that the course is obviously going to play and, and hopefully 100 years, we ain't, you know, we're not going to see you know, them play like that 100 years ago. Who's locked and loaded to come out and have a big tournament here, do you think? This week, I feel like I kind of have a thesis of, you know, the course for these kinds of big events. And my thesis about Southern Hills is that if you liked Augusta National, you're probably going to like this golf course because there are a lot of targets that are smaller than they seem. If you just look at them, if you've never played the golf course before, there's a lot of shaved runoff areas around the green. So if you miss, you have to be creative. You have to use your imagination to get up and down. The greens are slower at Southern Hills than you're going to find at Augusta National. And that's primarily because the slopes are just as crazy, if not crazier than what you'll find at Augusta National. So I think you're looking at players, again, who, who like that golf course, but maybe 
maybe don't putt quite as well. Maybe it opens the, the door open to a few more different types of players that don't putt as well. But if you're a great iron player, obviously you have a good chance. If you are a good putter, you probably have a chance. If you do both of those things, you're probably going to win the golf tournament. But I think you have to kind of start your list with the world number one, Scotty Scheffler, who calls this his favorite golf course mm. in the world. And that says something considering what he just did in Augusta <laughs> National. So uh, I got to take the man for his word. He shot a 64 in a practice round a couple of weeks ago. He, he knows and loves this golf course. Wow. And then I, I think I think <laughs> about someone like Colin Morikawa, who's the best ball striker in the world, who's the best iron player on the planet. Can he get past the fact that he's not the longest player in the planet and just hit some incredible iron shots and get enough putts to go in to win a tournament? Or someone like Cam Smith, same situation. Not the longest or straightest guy in the mm. world but an incredible ball striker, ingenuitive short game, great putter. He has most of the boxes checked that should do well here. It's a great wow. trifecta. Wow. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, can I just ask you about Scotty Schiffler? And he is world number one. He's he's on a heater at the moment. He's winning everything. But he's still not at the forefront of everyone's minds. Like, Is it is it disrespectful that, that the, the kind of – uh, you know, not the respect that he's not been shown. Do you, do you feel he's he's been shown respect? I know the probably the the players on the world stage, but the media don't really hype him up as much as as you hear. Obviously about Tiger, you got McIlroy and the Morikawas. Do, do you feel that's disrespectful for Scheffler? I think if we were talking about Brooks Kepka in this situation, yeah, I'd say it's really disrespectful. He put an extra chip on his shoulder and win by twelve. But I don't think <laughs> Scotty Scheffler thinks about it that way. I, I think he thinks. Okay. He's still an up-and-comer because all of this is new to him. I mean, six months ago, mm. he was in the top, solidly in the top 20 in the world but had no PGA Tour wins. Now he is the reigning Masters champion, arguably the best golfer in the world, and has the most wins on the planet this year. That's a lot to change in two months' time. So I think between him getting used to that and the media just kind of thinking, maybe this is, like we termed it earlier, a heater. Maybe this is just something that lasts five or six months and goes away. I, I think there's this reluctance to kind of lean into him when really the, the truth of the matter is guys who win the masters at 25 and under, they all tend to win four to six majors at a minimum. So uh, this isn't a heater. This is the start of something probably bigger. If history is any kind of yeah. guy. Well, we know someone that's won four to six majors and um, in in ain't as minimum. And that's Tiger Woods. Um, we heard him on the, <laughs> on the TV yesterday. What's your thoughts on Tiger and his comeback? Is he, is he looking fit? Have you watched him go around in his practice, in his practice rounds? He seems in better spirits. He seems maybe less uh, labored trying to get around this golf course. In part, that's because it's not quite as dramatic topography-wise as Augusta National. But I think also just having another month plus of work trying to put in trying to get better trying to get stronger trying to put yourself under more stress so that when you get to friday afternoon saturday and sunday where he started to kind of fall apart literally and figuratively that he won't mm. and i think that's he has a lot of confidence in where he is in that process it seems does that mean he's going to suddenly be a contender to win here like he was 15 years ago i don't think so i think that would be an incredible story even beyond belief of phil mickelson's last year so I don't think that's realistic, but that doesn't mean he doesn't think it's realistic. I, I think he still has a lot of confidence in what he did at Augusta for basically two days to be as good as anybody in the field and beat a whole lot of former world number ones in the process and maybe transfer some of that to a golf course that he seems to like a lot. 
I just want to quickly ask you the question before we let you go about the LIV situation with the golf tour. Where do you sit? Where do you sit with whole this whole debacle with the PGA and the LIV with Norman and the, sh- the Shark and the, and the situation? I, I don't know if Shark's very long for this job. I, I, I think <laughs> if, if, if the Saudis, frankly, had picked a, a different person, if they had managed to buy the interests of somebody else or just get someone else involved from a different walk of life, I think they might have won. I think they might have gotten what they had built up uh, before Phil Mickelson kind of brought it all down with his comments about obnoxious greed of the tour and the Saudis being scary MFers and you know, all that stuff. And I think they would have had it. And I, I think kind of between Mickelson and Norman, they snatched defeat from the jaws of victory. Um, now they've got to regroup. Now they've got to figure out how they're going to play a long game to try to get better players into these events. And I have a feeling that the first one they're going to have not too long from now, less than a month from now in London, the week before the U S open is potentially a laughing stock that it may, they may mm. execute it. Well, it may turn out great. It may be compelling, but the quality of players that they're going to have is not going to match anywhere near what they thought they had February. And I, I think that's a big blow to them. Now they've got to think about how do we finance this tour with, with no U.S. network TV deal, uh, not even a TV deal in this country. How, how are people going to see it? How are they going to get interested in it? How are you going to build fans with a field that you know isn't where you want it to be, but you got to get it there somehow? Is this just all throwing billions of dollars at something for the Saudis that may or may not net an investment in return, tangible or otherwise, in five years' time? And I think they're probably an inflection point uh, on that concept with who's leading it and how long they're going to carry on with it. Oh, beautiful, beautiful. Well, thank you so much for joining us, mate. We really appreciate it. Um, Ryan Ballinger is owner of the Golf News Net, and he's a sharp golfing mind. We appreciate it, mate. Just qu- quickly, can Foxy win it? Ryan Fox? I'm, he's such a long – he's a long man. I mean, he hits the ball an awfully long way. But there, unfortunately, Gil Hans put all the trouble exactly where Ryan Fox hits it, which is a long way. So oh. he, can, he can do it. Between him and Min, I actually okay. like a lot of the. I like him, Min Woo. I like Leishman. I like Cam Smith. This I do like the Aussies. This is kind of a, a Sam Belt inspired course to a degree. Just maybe not quite the same. All right, all right, mate. We appreciate you coming on the show, Ryan Bellinger out of the United States. Thank you so much, mate. Take care, and we'll, we'll get you on back shortly. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Last month, we saw history made as the Northern Stars and the Northern Mystics men's sides went to battle for the first time in history. I've got to do a big shout out to Cruz Tangera for that. He put a lot of work into it, that fella, and his Tangera whanau, great friends of mine, was a huge step forward towards a growing men's netball this Sunday. They're doing it all again, their second game. Great stuff. The Stars will take on the Mystics at Pullman Arena. And Timmy Upperside was a junior tall black and breakers development basketball player before falling out of love for the game. And choosing netball, since he's found a new hobby, and just quietly, he's very good at that too, this game, is he? And I want to ask him the first question. Good morning, Timmy. How are you? Good morning, guys. I'm good, thank you. That's good, mate. I want to ask you the first question. How come you chose netball over basketball? What 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 went on there for that decision, for you to come up with that decision? Oh, well, during school, I was heavily involved with basketball and it was a passion of mine but I found that I kind of I always had a love for the game I would always turn up to like the mornings with my mum um, watching mm. her play netball and she was an avid netball player but she always used to tell me like you know there was no 
there was no men's league really um, to get involved with. And then out of school, I ended up playing indoor and I found a love for indoor netball. And then ended up getting kind of like scouted then and realised that there was kind of like a little mixed league going on. And then it led me to mixed netball that pretty much got me into men's netball today. Nice, mate. Nice. Hey, Timmy, Izzy here, mate. Uh, great to have you on the show. The future of men's netball in New Zealand, we've, we've had one match between the Stars and the Mystics. Can you see some potential for a, for a, a you know, league? Is there enough depth, enough depth around the country to potentially host a league? No, definitely, definitely. Especially with the likes of Cruz, who's helped paving the way for mm. men's netball. And we also have to honour those who like came before us because we wouldn't really have a game um, to be playing this Sunday if it wasn't for those mm. who helped pave the way um, for men's netball to be like to have a coverage on a grand scale like this. So um, there is interest, and we're just hoping that um, this game this weekend can is a chance to help inspire young boys at home who are wa- who are watching and who may want to play netball and hopefully seeing us on TV encouraging to play as well. I would have carved it up on the netball court too, Izzy. I was there with my mum every Sunday before the league game, and if I could have got out there against the girls, I would have had no mercy. I would have carved them up. And Timmy, that's oh, that's what I want to talk about with these pathways. We're all about pathways here. Just take us through what what Cruz Tangera has done for men's netball and how much work has he put in behind the scenes. I see him on Sky TV. So proud of the young fella. Um, and behind the scenes to actually get this to a second game and potentially to start to, to push it out so we can have more more franchises coming on board. But then, oh yeah, if it wasn't for Cruz, yeah, there really, there wouldn't really be a game, and um, it's big, the um, big pucky pucky for him too because without that, without him leading the way, um, yeah, again, this game wouldn't be wouldn't be happening. But it's an honour to be playing for those who came before us too. And um, it's just a privilege to be involved in this campaign. Um, mm. We've been all training hard, both teams, to help showcase a really entertaining game of netball to New Zealand and the rest of the world. And Cruz has really been at the forefront of that. And um, yeah, it's just a great privilege to be to be chosen to play. And we're just hoping that we can yeah showcase a really entertaining game to New Zealand. I'm sure it'll be entertaining, mate. We've got a question on the text machine. It's from Richie. He said, hey, lads, ask Timmy about the Nationals in August. Are you excited for those? Oh, yes. Any opportunity to play netball, I'm excited about. It's a real passion of mine. And we've been quite unfortunate due to COVID, as mm. a lot of sporting teams have too. Yeah. And, um, yeah, just a chance to actually showcase men's netball um, and yet to be on court is truly exciting that's awesome hey Timmy just you know you guys have played them warm up games against the um, the woman as well the international woman do, do you see that like when you got into the other international teams down there thinking about it's an opportunity to them f- because you guys you know you guys go right against them as a as a chance to really get brought up to speed down this part of the um, the world have you, have you guys been is there any hint of playing other teams like England and Australia in the future um, well, I actually haven't been um, involved in any of, any of the World Cup series. Like, we've had the Cadbury series against the Ferns and that. But um, the World Cup, yeah, there's usually a chance to play against teams from Aussie. And um, I'll have to check if I'm right. But, yeah, it's like also like Jamaica and all that. So 
hoping that mm. um, there is a lot of teams that, and especially in England too, um, leagues um, over the ditch that um, mean means leagues and all that. But um, we're hoping that we can hopefully one day get a chance post-COVID and especially when the borders open to be able to travel over and um, see different leagues and that. So, yeah, there is definitely an opportunity to play against other teams around the world too. Awesome, mate. Timmy, we really appreciate you coming on the show. Um, all the best for Sunday. I know round two up against uh, the Northern Mystics taking on the Northern Stars in a rematch at the main at the Pullman Arena. So good luck and all the best for the future, mate. Cool. Thank you guys so much. It's time for a McCafe coffee catch-up with our man Craig coming this morning because it might be winter, but cricket is in the forefront of our minds with plenty going on the Black Caps. Head north to take on Brendan and Ben's English test side, which they named yesterday. We saw the team, some old-timers are back, some classy players are back for the English. And also, look, we're going to reflect on the on the big news yesterday. Katie Martin, absolute champion, uh, White Fern for our, our cricketing team. She's done some great things out there for cricket, 103 ODIs. Uh, over 160 odd domestic cricket games. She's part of the Otago Sparks outfit. She is retiring after 19 years at the top. And Craig Cumming, well, he's coached her. He's coached her. He's on the line now. Morning, Craig. Yeah, morning, guys. How are we? Morning, morning. We're very well. We're very well, Craig. Thanks so much for um, for joining us. Uh, yeah, big news yesterday. Katie Martin has retired. I uh, just love what she was about. She was an absolute competitor, but she was witty as they come off the field, mate. Tell us about the news yesterday. Pretty, obviously, sad, sad news that we're going to see Katie go, but she's been a, a, a great servant for our country. Yeah, she certainly has. And uh, when you guys know it, well, it, it's, it's always an interesting time when uh, when you mm. retire because there's a huge amount of emotions and um in some ways, it's sadness, but at some stage, it also, I think, clips into um, you know, a celebration, and it's really important, I think, for all of us around, Katie, it's, um, to congratulate her on what's been you know, a, a wonderful career and, um, you know, for you know, New Zealand, but for us down here in Otago, she's been you know, simply amazing. The, the challenges, I say that, um, you know, in the women's game, and she, she lived in Christchurch, but she never relented on wanting to play for Otago, the Sparks. Um, she's the... She's the life of the party. Um, we all know Katie, and I can tell you, uh, I've you know I've known Katie as a player. I played for Otago at the same time as she did, and um, mm. you know I'm a wee bit older than her, but um, to, to share the, the blue and gold with her and the men's team and the women's team was it was a real honour. But to coach her in the last two years, um, I'm a little bit grayer for it to be fair, is he? And keep you up to tell you that she's uh, she's awesome. But gee whiz, I'll tell you yeah. what, she can wear you out as well. But I, I mean that in every possible, you know, <laughs> a massive smile on my face. And, um, you know, she, she's, um, she's a busy person. Sometimes you've got to sit her down in the corner and just tell her to, right, Katie, remember, we're playing cricket today. We're not commentating. You're not doing work. And, um, but I'll mm-hmm. tell you what, gee whiz, she makes you laugh. She makes you smile. And, and she makes the girls have a huge amount of fun. And I think everyone's entertained with her. And that's, that's what the game's about. You've got to be entertained. And she's a personality. And we're... We love it a bit. So we're going to miss her, but we look forward to seeing what she's going to do next. Yeah, Craig, the game's the big game's um, you know ever indebted to the uh, I guess the the Katie Martins and 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 those type of people that have played the game. So um, thanks a lot, Katie, for what you've done for cricket in New Zealand. I, I want to I want to shift it 
to the Black Caps moving up to the north. And I want to get your take on it, Craig, in and around them coming up against Baz McCullum. What's your thoughts on this whole, um, I guess, the, the English team bringing back all their old boys and, and the Black Caps going up there playing against Baz McCullum? What's, the, what, what's your take on all that? Uh, I mean, I've listened to you guys, uh, you know, and, and obviously with Brendan, you guys got to know him pretty well. Um, they're a better side mm-hmm. without even hitting a ball or doing a fielding training um, because of Baz being involved. Um, you know, I've known Brendan since he's been 17, and, and he's a he's an inspirational guy. He's an aspirational guy. He's a he's a leader because he asks people just to follow him. Um, I always remember Baz when we played with him. He said, "Hey guys, I don't care what the plan is. Let's just make one, and we all get on board. Um, and if we're all on board." There's more chance of it being successful than not. You know, he's gonna he's gonna bring a different element to the English cricket. I think it might take them a while to, to settle into his his style and the way he does things. But straight away, um, he's picked players that he thinks are one good enough, but two will get on on the boat and, and go the same way. So, you know, I'm really excited for him. I think it's a great appointment for England. Um, I think we're going to be challenged a lot more now than we probably would because. Um, it's the old fake it until you make it. And, and what he will be mm. doing right now is installing a huge amount of confidence in that group, um, just in their belief and their, in their will to want to play the game. Um, and, and putting, you know, they're all very proud to play for England. You can never say that. But he'll just give it a different mm. element. And, you know, the way, when, as you guys have heard it and heard it on the radio, when Baz speaks, everyone listens. Um, and, and you sort of feel like. Um, you know, Brendan, I always said, can sometimes make you think the sky's pink, even though it's blue. That's the, that's the way he is. He can he can make you do that. And I mean, um, mm. that's the sort of person he is. So it's going to be great. But I also think, let's not forget, our black cap side are a very good side. Um, you know, yeah. we're going to have Kane back. Fingers crossed he can find some form. Um, we've performed very well. Those conditions over there suit us. So while they're going to be better, you've got to remember we are still very good and we play very well over in their conditions. When, when your initial reaction to the makeup of the English squad, I know when uh, Anderson and Broad were left out of the Ashes series, Baz was fuming and spewing. So you feel like he's <laughs> gone over there. He's, he's instilled the the experience at those. Uh, you know, I think they've taken over seven hundred wickets between them all combined. So like it's a, a, a ton of knowledge and experience out there. The makeup of the squad. He's stamped this mark early. Yeah, well he has, is he? Because what he's done is said, "I want this," and. Um, you know, I think the problem with England in the last two years is they've tried to be a little bit funky. They've tried to... It's been tough with, with isolation and that, but they, they really haven't had a philosophy of what they're trying to do. Uh, and what Baz has just gone in and said is, this is what I want. And straight away now, Broad and Anderson, Stokes, you know, Joe Root, who's been through a challenging time, but they're right behind him straight away. Is he? And that's what... You know, he said, no mucking around, you know. Um, and, and now I reckon, you know, by installing that confidence, everyone behind that now says, oh, she's I want to get on that side too. I, I want to be with, I want Brendan to want me. Um, so straight away, um, it's developed confidence. And um, pick your best side. When you're, when you're not a great side, um, and cricket's mm. a funny one, sometimes you try and plan for 12 months. Well, when you're not a great side, you can't do that. You've just got to say, right, we're going to pick our best team for this game, and we're going to try and win it. And if guys get injured or their workloads get, we'll worry about that for the next game. But we're not good enough to try and, you know, make the cream last for five test matches. We've got to just go out there and give everything for this game and we'll worry about tomorrow, tomorrow. And, and I reckon that's a big, big thing from Brendan. That's what he's going to do with his English side. Um, and um, they've got some, you know, they've got some quality players. They've also got some pretty average players. It's not, their top three is the weakest top three in, in world cricket just about at the moment. So that's where he's got a lot of work to do. 
But again, as I know, like sometimes, you know, an average player can become a good player and a good player can become a very good player if you've got people pumping your tyres. And, and, and Brendan will be pumping their tyres. And, and we all know as athletes, when you feel good about yourself, when you feel that you've got the backing of people and they create the confidence with you, we, we all perform better. It's a simple thing. It's And the other thing I throw in there, I think Brendan cares. He cares about people. And mm. um, when I've seen a lot of the stuff that's going along in sport, as you can keep you about at the moment with our reviews, it's not that hard, even in a high-performance sport. Um, you know, if you care as a coach about your athletes on and off the field, surely you get the best out of them. It's not that hard. I just think and that's what Brendan will bring to the side. And obviously Gary Stead does that very well with the black caps as well. Mm. And, and don't get me started on a high-performance New Zealand. That's a whole different conversation <laughs> about caring. Yeah. Um, just I'm listening to this conversation and about taking it to another level. What about Benny Stokes? You know, imagine Benny Stokes when he heard the news that Baz McCullum was coming up to be the coach. Just been named captain of the English team. Where does Ben Stokes go to in this whole conversation? Well, I mean, very similar personalities, I think. Uh, I think he's become 10 foot tall. Uh, Kempe, I think um, the hardest thing for someone like Ben Stokes and the way he plays the game is trying to get people on board with him um, and trying to get people to understand the way he's playing it because he's an expected player. Uh, and by having Brendan there now, I think he's just got someone who just um, mirrors exactly what he's about. So now, straight away in the, in, in the conference rooms and when they're having a coffee, they're always talking about what they're going to do. You know, let's do this, let's do that. And they're, they're going to be telling each other, yes, we can, as opposed to maybe going, well, these are the problems we've got. How are we going to solve them? Um, you know, Ben. You know, Ben Stokes is a wonderful cricketer. Um, now he's got a guy who's going to make him even better and support him. And as a captain, uh, as I said, yeah. So you know, ben, he, when he walks out, Stokes is probably eight foot. Now he's ten foot. So he's a real mm. dangerous person now. And he's, he's a great leader. He's going to, because he's inspiration as well. And you know, you imagine him and Baz turning up on that first day in the first Test match, uh, walking out. Their shoulders are going to be back. They're, they're going to be tall. Uh, even though Baz struggles to be tall, um, they're going to, you know, they, they're going to be together, um, you know, and, and working together. But, um, you know, he, I think Ben Stokes, if he could have picked one person in the world to coach the team that he's captaining, Brendan McCullum would have been his man. Bang. Big, big influence. That's, that's dangerous. But, but we still want the, the black caps black are good, caps. guys. We've got to be careful here. Don't yes. We? We've got to be black careful. We're not going to heading over. They're going to get the job done, Craig? They're going to get the job done? Yeah, we're a good side. We're a very good test side, and we're very yeah. good in those conditions. We've got a wonderful bowling attack. You know, we've, we've got to replace Ross Taylor, but Devin Conway's there. Will Young's doing very well. You know, Kane's back. So let's not forget we are a very, very good side. And as much as we love Baz, um, I hope he tastes defeat for a start, and then he can pick them back up so we yeah. can give a bit of a grief about that. But it's, uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. <laughs> That's right, that's right. World Test Champions, the Black Caps are heading over to England to take on the English. We appreciate you coming on the show, Craig. Thanks so much. Have a good day, mate. Cheers, boys. Thank you. For logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according to manufacturer's specifications. For real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty, book in or book online at repcoservice.com.